Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 285, and we're going to take a look at what is called the Consumer Credit Protection Act of 1968. We've talked about this just like a snippet or two in times past when talking about credit and you know, protecting the consumer, but we've never actually gone into great detail about this particular act that was passed in 1968. So there were many things that were passed in the 60s that I would say were were pretty groundbreaking in terms of protecting workers' rights, protecting the consumer. And what's interesting is that these things should have should have been passed a long time ago, like way before the 1960s, but sometimes uh people don't want to actually believe in in the United States. They don't want to believe in the system that we have and because some people do not believe in the United States, and when I say some people, I'm talking about Americans. There's some people that are here in America and this is nothing new. They want the goods, like they want the fancy lifestyle, but they're not willing to protect workers' rights or to protect the consumer because they think they're better than everybody else. And that's a very hoity-toity way of thinking of oneself, but that tends to be a problem sometimes, and that's not um I would say I would say it's not an issue isolated to the United States because I feel like these are people that are socialist and communist because if someone is truly um I would say a capitalist or a republican or even someone that believes in democracy in general, then you would want the consumer to be protected, you would want equal rights. And what's interesting is that, you know, workers' rights and protection of the consumer, these are extensions of the Constitution of the United States. Like this is nothing new. However, it was new in 1776 because the United States was a brand new country and we had rights and liberties that nobody else has ever had in times past and some people still do not have today outside of the United States. So there are many people that want to I would say I'll just say mock, but they're not mocking. They they want to duplicate what we have, but they're not really duplicating it because they don't really want democracy. So many of those systems would be like parliaments and things like that. Having a parliament is good. I'm not knocking it, but the system that we have here in the United States, it has made our country extremely successful. This is why we are number 1 in the world. This is why we are a world superpower. It's because we have a fantastic and a wonderful system that works. When it doesn't work, it's because people are not valuing other people in the way that God intended. So it's one of those things. Whenever it says, you know, you have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and then on our our currency, it says, "In God we trust." And in God we trust. Sorry, my tongue's a little swollen from drinking lemon water, so I apologize. But I want to say that it, on our money, it says, "In God we trust." And here's the thing: when when our founding fathers founded this country, they knew that the only way it was going to work was to put God first. not a person, not a place, not a thing, not a monarchy, not a government, not a system, not an agency, not a person, but actually God. And so that's why we are one nation under God and in God we trust. But if the moment we we take our eyes off of God, that's when we start having a lot of problems. So if anything, some of these acts, in fact many of them, they stem from the constitution of the United States, but they had to be thought of later in time and written in past because people were getting off track because what's interesting is that the 1960s were not very godly think about it 
the 1960s were technically the era of the sexual revolution which devalued marriage it devalued women and it also devalued men you may not look at it that way but whenever men are sleeping around like that and they're not finding the love of their life they are degrading themselves as well as the person that they're sleeping with so the 1960s is known as the sexual revolution and they also have civil rights and and I guess that's where they came across or they thought of social justice all this stuff but but when it comes down to it if they had just put god first they would not have needed to behave in the way that they did back in the 1960s and 70s and this is typically the baby boomer generation but they're not the only ones that behave that way or thought that way but also the baby boomer generation and those that thought like them back in the day they wanted abortion and eventually they got abortion legalized we have made it so that abortions are not protected at a federal level you can still get an abortion but it's at a state level meaning you have to go to a state that actually allows it and i would say tolerates it so so those things that but when you put god first you don't need abortion when you put god first you don't have to ask what someone's race is to hire them because god created all races god created humanity you know god is not prejudiced but human beings can be so this is why our founding father said you know we are one nation under god we're not under a policy we're not under an agency it's very sad to me that acts like this have to be passed because it should have already been in practice long before this was written because again when you put god first everything else falls into place that's just how it is that's not being religious i don't even think that's being spiritual that's just staying a fact i mean read the bible or read the torah which is part of the bible it's the first five books of the bible or read the 54 books of the apocrypha very interesting literature very beautiful very much god's holy word and again we need to go back to putting god first when you put god first everything else falls into place that's how it's been in my life and if anything there are times in my life that i regretted not putting god first because i think unfortunately this is just a side note but i think unfortunately women were kind of geared towards feminism and i'm not against the original feminist movement i don't like what it has become today because i would say back in the day i was a feminist but now because it's gotten so crazy and liberal and very anti-child and pro-abortion i just consider myself to be a humanist because i value all life but what's interesting is that women we are really pushed to get a career we are really pushed to you know practice uh, premarital sex and that is from our society it's from some of the men that we date which i don't date men that put me under pressure like that because i think they're skanky uh, for sure but women are very much we're, we're we're programmed to be just these working machines well we're not machines we're people we're human beings and unfortunately the feminist movement and i'd say other ideologies that have now fall under that umbrella they've really devalued what it means to be a woman and i think that's very unfortunate because that directly impacts your rights just as a person and i find that to be very sad hold on just a moment let me get a drink of water okay i am back all right so again uh we're going to be talking about the consumer credit protection act of 1968 again 
this technically is already a part of the constitution of the United States because it goes back to our founding because whenever you are protecting the consumer you are protecting Americans unfortunately there's some people that don't think that way and it's typically um socialist and communist and unfortunately we've had many socialists and communists that immigrate here to the United States and then they try to make it seem like they are the only ones that care about people when they don't because if they really cared about people they would never want socialism or communism or fascism so it's sad and uh so say but at the same time we can definitely learn i was going to say from the stupidity of others because i think if you're a fascist a marxist these days a feminist or a communist or a socialist i i i don't think you're very smart because i think you're missing out on on your liberty and your rights and i think that's a very foolish thing to do i'm not calling you a fool i'm just saying that you don't want to do foolish things you just don't and unfortunately those other forms of government and ideologies that I just mentioned uh, well feminism is not a government it's it's ideology that's on steroids right now it's really hateful towards men and women and children unfortunately but whenever you place an ideology you know when you try to think of the best way to describe this when you idolize an ideology and you no longer worship god you're always going to have problems always and that that's that's why this act had to be passed because so many people were, were becoming very ungodly and it's not just a religious issue it's just an everyday life issue of protecting your fellow man protecting your neighbor but without being um i would say overly protective like not being a helicopter parent you know what i mean but just valuing other people and i guess a good way to say is love thy neighbor as thyself so i think this is a really good thing to have but the long title and it is a long title for this one is an act to safeguard the consumer in connection with the utilization of credit by requiring full disclosure of the terms and conditions of finance charges in credit transactions or in offers or to extend credit by another thing it does is restricting the garnishment of wages and by creating the national commission on consumer finance to study and make recommendations on the need for further regulation of the consumer finance industry and for other purposes. Some short uh, abbreviations for it is the CCPA or the TILA. One of its nicknames is the Truth in Lending Act, which it's sad that they have to pass something like this. Because if if you if you really believe in the constitution of the United States, then you would always believe in truth in lending. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Um communism and socialism it gives people permission to lie. God does not give us permission to lie, but some of these false ideologies they give per, uh, people permission to lie and that is very unethical. Um this was enacted by the 90th uh, Congress of the United States. It took effect May 29th, 1968. It is public law. It has statutes associated with it. Um it has some amended titles as, as well. Um let's see here. It was introduced in the Senate Uh, by William Proxmire and he was a Democrat from Wisconsin. Then there was a committee consideration by the Senate Banking Committee, the House Committee on Banking and Currency. That's important there. Um it passed the House on February 1st, 1968. It passed the Senate July 11th, um 1967. Let's see here. The House agreed to the Senate amendment on May 22nd, 1968 with a further amendment. 
And then the Senate agreed to the House Amendment on May 22, 1968, and that's when they agreed. It was signed into law by President Lyndon B. Johnson, not a fan of him. It was signed into law by him on May 29, 1968. Some of the major amendments, which some of these we have talked about slightly in times past, are the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. And then you have the Economic Growth, Regulatory Relief, and Consumer Protection Act. So let's dive in just a little bit deeper here on this one. It says the Consumer Protection or sorry, Consumer Credit Protection Act, also known as CCPA, is a United States law uh, that was enacted May 29, 1968. It composed of several titles relating to consumer credit. Um the main title is the Truth and Lending Act, and then you have um others that's like related to extortionate credit transactions and then you have wage garnishment and how that's regulated because just because someone says you owe them money that doesn't mean that they can just say oh I want your wages and you start getting garnished no 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 you have to go through a proper process so just be aware of that so just FYI if someone says that you owe them money and they're going to start taking your wages number 1 you need to say prove it number 2 you need to make sure that what they're saying and doing is legal That's just how it is. So I I feel like sometimes it's the underdog that gets picked on more because it's easier, I'll just say it's easier to rob someone who doesn't know their rights than someone who has a fancy expensive lawyer and they and they can very much afford a entire legal team. Like I'm not saying that um that rich people don't suffer because they do. For sure they do. And and a lot of times people don't have sympathy for rich people because they're like, "Oh, well you have money." You know that must be nice. Well, that kind of attitude is not the right way to look at anybody. It doesn't matter if someone's rich, in the middle class, or if they're poor. No one deserves to be targeted and everybody has equal rights. That includes the rich, the poor, and the middle class. It includes everybody. That's equality. If you think the rich deserve to be sued just because they're rich, you should never be a judge, you should never be a lawyer, and you should never serve on a jury because your thinking is not correct. It's not constitutional. And and if your thinking and your mindset is not constitutional, you've got some big problems there. Because you're operating in jadedness, and that's not appropriate, especially for America. Other countries, I wish they didn't do that. But the moment you start picking and choosing your favorites based on um social status then it it's like joining a sorority and you're just going to bash other houses like that's not appropriate that that's high school behavior it's pathetic and i don't like that so just be aware that if you have a negative opinion about someone based on their money or their social status they are not the problem you are and i don't mean that harshly i'm just saying It's been my it has been my experience whenever I meet people that hate the rich it's because they want what the rich have but they're not willing to work for it and that's coveting someone else's property their money and their goods needs to say there are bad people that they purposely go after those that don't have a lot of money because sometimes it's easier to take the poor to court because the poor are more likely to lose a lawsuit than someone that has money because if you have money typically you can get amazing representation if you don't have a lot of money or or if you have minimal funds sometimes it's very difficult to defend yourself and that's why there there are so many people that they get targeted and they're not even the ones with a lot of money so 
just FYI, if someone comes after you and says, hey, you owe me money, be like, prove it and take it to court. File a complaint. There are many state and federal agencies that address these issues because just because I'm going to say this and I don't know how it's going to affect people, but your social status should never determine your rights in any country. Unfortunately, social status very much affects people's rights in almost every other country except the United States. This is why in the United States we are very strict, very strict about citizenship and consumer protection as well as constitutional law. Reason for that is because it's very difficult to fight and to preserve life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness if you do not protect its core. That that's the main thing there. But moving on it says the restrictions on wage garnishment guard employees from discharge by their employers. because their wages have been garnished for anyone or for any indebtedness the wage and hour division of the United States Department of Labor enforces uh, the provisions the informed use of credit is administered by the United States Congress and stabilizes economic acts to be enhanced with competition informed into that doesn't make sense but it's enhanced by competition onto uh, various financial institutions that are engaged in extension of consumer credit that would be strengthened otherwise by informed credit use. So, basically what this is saying is that an employer cannot fire you for you're basically getting your wages garnished. And I you know what's interesting is that what this means is that before this act was passed, people were getting fired for having a garnishment on their wages, which makes it all the more difficult to earn a living. to pay off your debt or to fight someone that has illegally or unlawfully claimed that they have rightful access to your wages via garnishment. You know, just because someone is garnishing your wages, that doesn't mean they have the right to do so. And you might be saying, "Well, Leslie, if someone is garnishing your wages, at least here in the United States, that means they've gone to court and the judge has said, "Yes, garnish their wages." Well, that's true, but that doesn't mean it should have been done. I'm going to be as nice about this as possible, but You have to remember that judges are lawyers. So, at one point in time, every judge was just a lawyer. And then they got promoted or elected or appointed to a judgeship. So, judges make mistakes, <coughs> excuse me, just like lawyers do. And just because a judge has a ruling against you, that doesn't mean it's true, that doesn't mean it is legit. This is why we have the Court of Appeals. And this is why we have oversight. Like we have oversight committees, meaning meaning someone above another person or entity or group is watching and enforcing protocols. And sometimes these things do not get enforced or reversed and unfortunately until a mistake is made. So please be aware that an employer can never fire you. They cannot they cannot legally fire you, I should say. just because your wages are being garnished. And I'll say this here in the Bible belt, there's a lot of shaming and blaming that takes place. There are many people that think if your wages are being garnished then oh then you're the problem and you have a character flaw. It's like no 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 no. I would venture to say most people that get their wages garnished, they don't deserve it. I've only met one person that was weird and shady and I kind of wondered, eh, maybe they do. 
Maybe they do actually owe someone some money. But that's just one person out of all the people I've ever met over several years that had garnishments that I thought were justified. See, what I don't like about garnishments, I don't like them in general because I think instead of garnishments, you should renegotiate. That's my personal opinion. But what I don't like about garnishments is that typically the judge decides how much can be taken out of your account and you're not told about until until that money is stripped out of your account and then you don't have any money. So you barely have anything to live on. So because you had your wages garnished, now you might lose your house. You may not be able to pay your utilities, you may not be able to feed your family, you may not be able to take them to the doctor. So this whole notion of garnishments being legal, I I Ooh, I I don't necessarily agree with all of it. I think garnishments should be rare. And I think they should be the last resort, but there are many people that use them as a first or second or third resort. I don't agree with that because I think that whenever you're taking someone's wages, I I just think that's criminal. I think it's wrong. Like it goes against my morals and my values. If someone owes you money, say, "Hey, let let's let's work this out. Don't make it so that they lose their home, they can't pay their bills, they they can't afford to feed themselves or their family." I think there is an appropriate way to get what someone owes you. But many times with garnishments, it it puts people financially in distress. It doesn't help them. It distresses them. And then it makes it very difficult for them to get higher paying jobs because there are many employers, especially in Bible Belt states, they don't have a very positive opinion of people that get their wages garnished <laughs> and uh because they see it as a character flaw. And I don't agree with that. That's why I don't agree with uh employers uh, whenever they do a background check, I don't think they should be able to pull your credit report. I just don't. I think it's it's one thing to check to see if you have a criminal record. That I understand. But a credit check, I don't agree with that. That has nothing to do with verifying your identity. It has nothing to do with verifying your date of birth, your social security number. It's it's a credit score, and technically a credit score is a debt score. It's basically how much debt can you handle? Or basically, how much money can someone else squeeze out of you before you go bankrupt? That's basically what a credit score is, which is why I do not agree with a credit score. Think about it. You know, back in the day, we didn't always have credit scores, and people were able to buy homes. They were able to feed their families. Like we had a way different system before the credit score came out. And it's my personal opinion that those three credit score companies they make money off of other people's misery. and to me that just disgusts me. I understand that there are some things that need to be known whenever you know for example you're buying a house and you you know you're going to have a mortgage and they want to know okay what are your wages what what monies do you owe elsewhere. I understand that but people still need homes. Like I know for me like there have been times in my life where I've had a lot of medical debt but that didn't stop me from paying my rent, my utilities or my or my truck payment. However, There are some people that they look and see, "Oh, you have all this debt." It's like, "Well, I don't owe all of that." See what a lot of people don't realize is that there are many things that are on people's credit report that shouldn't be there. And unfortunately, we have these three credit bureaus or whatever, these three companies. They they're not really safeguarding the consumer. They're really not. In fact, they're making it very difficult for people to get ahead. and i find that to be i find that to be criminal i think it's wrong that's just my personal opinion 
because I've been there and it's been really it can get really tough because you have all these people talking trash about you on your credit report. It's like I don't know what that is or I know what that is but that's not the right amount. That's not what I agreed to or that shouldn't be there. And unfortunately, you know, when you hit the dispute button, the the credit bureaus, they don't always believe you. And I get so frustrated with that. And so I I just gave it to God. I said, "Lord, you deal with my credit score. <laughs> you deal with it. You deal with these shady people that are lying about me. You know what? He dealt with them." So You know, always go to God first. Go to the God of Abraham. He loves you. He guards you. He protects you. But you got to give him a chance. So just FYI, be aware of that. Again, this is why our founding father said, "In God we trust, and we are one nation under God." Like, can you imagine if we were one nation under these credit bureaus? <laughs> I mean, it would be hell. It would be hell. It would just be horrible. <laughs> But this is why our founding fathers put God first because they know that. With God on your side, the impossible becomes possible. And I think the United States of America is a perfect example of that. But I will go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast, but as usual until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Do subscribe, check out our YouTube channel, any questions, email me at yourlaborlaws@gmail.com. Again, that's yourlaborlaws@gmail.com. Or if you want to be on the show, hey, let me know. We would definitely love to have you. Until next time, ciao, bye and God bless. Don't let this world go down